The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hear those horns? Yeah. Yeah, boy. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. UFC 274 preview show starts now! I mean, we're trying to keep things at a very positive level right now because there was high drama in Phoenix, Arizona throughout today, ladies and gentlemen. Two championship belts are at stake tomorrow night at UFC 274. But only three of the four fighters involved in these fights can leave the footprint center with UFC gold wrapped around their waist. And if you're thinking to yourself, what the heck is this guy saying? How can that be, Mike? Then I would respond to your question with one of my own. Where have you been for the last five hours? All right. Hello, everybody. I am Mike Heck. Welcome to a very spirited UFC 274 preview show live on MMAfighting.com. We're a little bit delayed because of all the drama that happened today. We're scheduled to go at 3 p.m. Eastern. Six hours later, here we are because history was made at this morning's official weigh-ins. If you missed it, Charles Oliveira, by the time him and Justin Gaethje begin their fight tomorrow night, he will no longer be the lightweight champion of the world after missing weight by a half a pound. He missed with like a couple minutes left to go the first time around. He was given an extra hour to cut a half a pound and he came in at the exact same weight, 155 and a half. He will still face Justin Gaethje in the main event tomorrow, but only Justin Gaethje can leave Phoenix with the championship. Unbelievable stuff. We are joined by Sean Oshadi. We are joined by Jose Youngs. They're both in Phoenix and they were there for all of this stuff. So, Sean, we have seen many dramatic moments on the scales. Daniel Cormier comes to mind, and there have been others. But to see a champion miss by a half a pound with, a, with an hour to go, I know 
at least in your mind, you were like at a worry scale of like two, then you got to four, then it was like a five or a six, but you weren't at like that elite level nine, 10, where the light was turning red and the alarms are going off of your brain. When Charles Oliveira stepped back up to the scale, you must've been, you know, a little worried, but you were pretty confident he was going to, we were going to hear 155 or less, right? Absolutely. I think I was, the room was, everybody watching at home was. What an utterly bizarre and just, I see, just kind of surreal day that it ha- it has been, man. Um, I mean, it's something, it's definitely something we have never seen before. And just right off the bat, I mean, I know people have, today, the narratives that have come out today about the scale and, and you know, whose fault is it and all of it, that's one thing. But ultimately, this comes down to, I feel tremendously bad for Charles Oliveira. Point blank. Dude's going to lose probably a large, large chunk of his purse. I mean, it seems like it's going to be 30% of his purse is gone right out the gate. Uh, he's not. He's, he's basically fighting for the chance now to be the number one contender in the division that he, he was champion of this morning. Um, and, and all of it, I mean, this is just the wrong kind of history to go down. And it's a cruel irony for a guy who whose career essentially was – centered around the idea that he couldn't make weight for so long. And then he was able to finally break out of that, have this incredible streak at lightweight, 10 straight wins. We all know it. And now we're right back here. The The cyclical nature of all of it is just tremendously cruel. Uh, and it's just uh, strange, man. It's just ultimately I keep going back to what a strange, strange day it was because when we were in that room and we were watching those weigh-ins and Charles Oliveira comes in, he's very confident. He He, he strolls in. It seems like nothing's wrong. When they read the weight, 155.5, the look of shock on his face was palpable. You could see it. If you watch the replay, you can see the exact moment when he just doesn't understand and it's not processing for him. So, okay, whatever, half a pound, go back, you know, go to the bathroom, shave your hair. Like at some point, half a pound feels doable, right? And then he comes back an hour later at the buzzer once again, and it's the same exact weight. And at that point, it's just – the, the tension in that room, the the confusion in that room, all of it uh, was just unreal. It was, it was unlike few things I've ever seen before. And at the end of the day, we don't really have a UFC lightweight champion right now. And that just feels so, so strange. And again, yeah, your heart kind of breaks for Charles Oliveira for all he's been through to lose it all to half of a pound, man. Half of a pound. I cannot overstate how just – absurd really all of this is and the fact that we have gotten to this place but ultimately these dudes are still going to have a fight and that's the most important thing for charles right now and to go into a fight with justin gaethje who puts every person across from him except for habib Nurmagomedov, puts every person through hell that is a difficult difficult fight to go into if you're mentally uh struggling if you're mentally going through something if you're just mentally distracted by maybe i don't know an insane day that you just went through uh so i do not envy what Charles Oliveira is going through right now. And I hope that man's able to get a good night of sleep because he's going to need it tomorrow because he still has to fight the demon of this lightweight division. Jose, I feel like we have to kind of go back through your mental scrapbook of covering these events. We talked about <laughs> media day and Tony Ferguson scrum and how that's compared to some of the crazy media day scrums that you've had, but you were, you've mm-hmm. been in a lot of rooms where the drama is at a pretty fever pitch. Have you mm-hmm. ever been in a room for a weigh-in moment that was so universally tense like it was today because I could feel it from you guys. Like I'm watching the Bellator card and I'm watching you guys. I could actually feel the tension you guys were feeling in that room. 
Um, I would probably say the closest I can think of to like a high name fighter having to like come back and reweigh in and everything was remember when Johnny Hendricks fought Tyron Woodley. That fight actually ended up not even happening, I think, because they like Johnny Hendricks actually. Like I believe he did make weight, or maybe that was before the Robbie Lawler one. I can't. It, Johnny Hendricks had a lot of weight issues, but uh, I remember Johnny Hendricks had. This was like the old style of weigh-ins before official weigh-ins, so it's when they got on the stage sucked out. So Johnny missed weight, and this is when he was working with uh, Mike Dolce, and I remember Mike Dolce was like absolutely mind-boggled that his fighter mi- missed weight, and then he had like the extra hour, and I'm sure you guys have all seen the the video footage. Uh, of like Nick Diaz was like in the crowd, like taunting Johnny Hendricks for missing weight. And then when Johnny Hendricks came out, Nick Diaz was still in the crowd taunting him because it was like 40 people that stuck around. So that's the only time I can really remember where it was that tense. Maybe when Davidson Figueroa, the last time we were in Phoenix, I think he was the last person to weigh in and he had to basically be carried to the scale. And we were talking like, oh, what if the champion doesn't weigh in this and that? So those are the few times I can think of off the top of my head, but this one was puzzling for not just because he missed weight, but it's because his coach has tweeted what, like nine hours ago that he made weight or on Instagram, he tweeted, he had made weight. Uh, he walked out pretty confident and he would happen to be the reigning champion. And then he weighed in again at the same weight. So just a lot of things added to it to make this perplexing. And so to answer your question, no, I can't remember anything like this, but those, there are instances I can think of that are maybe similar, but this is just absolutely unique. And I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that has ever come close to this. And what's crazy about this is when we have moments like this, we think about other things that are going on. There's conspiracy theories. There's all these different things. We're, we're trying to find answers to all of these questions. And Sean, you made such an interesting point. Like we joked about the guy in Abu Dhabi. Every time a fighter stepped on the scale in Abu Dhabi, it was like a race. Like what's going to go first, the two feet hitting the scale or me saying the actual weight slamming that thing on the other side of the scale. Like this guy was like, Hmm. I, and I noticed that early too. That every fighter that stepped on that scale, that commission guy was like, it took him like 18 minutes, it felt like at times, for him to actually read out the weight. So we got like the guy that was probably like his first day doing weigh-ins and didn't want to make any mistakes. Well, if you were in Abu Dhabi, Oliver would just step to the scale, would have slammed that thing down, be fighting for the title, wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Then there's another discussion about the commissions, Sean. Talking about commissions, and we had this moment where Ariana Carlosi, Norma Dumont, and other fighters talked to Guillermo Cruz about this, saying that the scale at the hotel had been reset overnight, and it kind of messed things up a little bit. Now, I did reach out to the commission, and they basically said, in essence, it's not our problem. Our problem is the scale that the fighters actually step on for the official weigh-ins. Any other scale, hotel, backstage, anything – we have nothing to do with the UFC provides those. We might be there to watch a step on a scale, but if the numbers don't match the scale that we actually care about, that is not on us. So just to kind of clear that up, that was their stance on this. What do we do here, Sean? Cause some people are just like, eh, it's a half pound. Just let it go. Like, are we like, are we going to get to a point where the conversation becomes, can we just stop the championship weight discussion? Because you could fight not for the title at 156, and it's not a problem. There are other fighters on this card that weighed 155 and a half and they have no penalty. And now we have poor Charles Oliveira, misses by a half a pound, thought he was good, loses the belt without actually losing the belt. It's just a crazy situation. It's a crazy situation. And ultimately, you look at what Charles lost today, right? I mean, because that's what it comes down to. He lost the title, sure. But what else did he lose? Lost probably a large chunk of, of his show purse, yes. But also, let's say he wins this fight on Saturday, 
because again, these guys are still going to fight. I know it feels like they're not, but they will. He's going to be a number one contender at that point. He's not going to be a champion. So he's going to lose whatever the champion's pay would be for his next fight, including the pay-per-view points probably. His contract, I don't know the specifics of it, but just if it's mo- like most UFC champions contract, it will revert back to a different type of contract where you're not the champion and you don't get those pay-per-view points. You don't get that bigger purse. You don't get all of the, the perks that come with being the champion. So Charles Oliveira lost himself a lot of money today, not only to, not only for this weekend, but just in the future moving forward, again, because of half a pound. And Mike, you made an interesting point, and I think this is one that a lot of people have talked about today, and it's the Habib point, right? Um, not Habib specifically, so I don't want to single out Habib. And I want to preface this by saying, ultimately, this was Charles Oliveira's fault. There's no one to blame for this other than Charles Oliveira. He missed weight the first time. He had another hour. Missed it the second time. That's on him. But you are 100% right when you say he he really kind of got unlucky too. Because I've been to a lot of weigh-ins in my time. I've been in this industry for a very long time. The amount of commission members who would have just zoomed him along either the first time or especially the second time, I would say close to 90% of them, right? Like it's just I've been to enough of these weigh-ins to know – most commission members are not this meticulous with making sure it's the exact weight. They'll just, if it looks good, they'll just keep it moving along. So it is what it is. Charles drew a bad one on a bad day, and now he's no longer going to be the champion once this fight starts. Justin Gaethje at least still has the opportunity to be the champion. And ultimately, we were all looking forward to this fight for what the fight was itself. It's a banger of a fight. These two guys are maniacs. They're both two of the most exciting guys in this division. That still holds true, regardless of whatever we saw today. So ultimately, I mean, again, Charles lost a lot today. He lost a lot of money, and he lost his title. He lost just, I mean, you don't want to go down in UFC history as the first champion to do something like this, to lose his belt on the scale. And again, it's cruel considering his his, uh, his history, or it's a cruel irony, I should say. But ultimately, we are still going to have this fight, and I'm still very excited for this fight. I know this this has maybe dimmed the light a little bit for some people when it comes to this fight, but still, we are going to be treated to a hell of a contest on Saturday, and I'm still looking forward to that. So let's talk about that, Jose. You are the high-level martial arts fan of of all high-level martial arts fans. The betting community has obviously changed pace a little bit because Charles Oliveira went from a minus 185 by the time this he stepped on the scale to now a minus 140 favorite. Justin Gaethje is a slight dog at plus 120. So by the way, gamblers out there, if you're going to bet on Justin Gaethje, you should probably do it like right now because – by the time you wake up tomorrow, he might even be the favorite or that line is going to close in on you pretty quickly. But with everything Charles Oliveira is going through, he's got to fight Justin Gaethje tomorrow, who is just an insane human being. Did you see anything with Charles Oliveira up there? I mean, you're up there, you're filming everything. Charles was intense staring down with Justin, but when you're getting interviewed and you, you try to give these answers, I even felt at times that his translator was like, oh man, you could feel like even the translator is mentally drained from, from this day and everything that happened. So did you see anything from Charles Oliveira? That's like, man, this guy, uh, understandably. So looks a little shook after a dramatic day. I don't even, I don't know if Charles Oliveira is shook because he just, I think what was his phrasing? Like no one knows why these things happen, but God, and there is a champion and his name is Charles Oliveira. So, 
the man's not lacking for confidence for a man that just missed weight by 0.5 pounds. And I know everyone's talking about like, over oh, the scales, not calibrated this and that he didn't look bad getting on the scale. Like he didn't, he, he looked like he had cut weight. He looked a little gaunt, but it didn't look like he was like Ovin St. Prue was struggled. He struggled when he walked out, he was hurting. Uh, Charles Oliveira walked out under his own power in and out. And yeah, he looks like he got, was a little sucked out, but that's how he normally looks when he weighs in. He didn't look like he was absolutely debilitated up there. And then when they faced off, it was intense. Justin Gaethje looked annoyed, uh, but Justin Gaethje kind of, he doesn't look very happy often when he's about to fist fight another human being. I think he's enjoys, enjoys the fight, but like I remember when him and Cowboy faced off, they used to be training partners and friends and they still had some sort of beef there because Justin Gaethje builds that up in his mind. So uh, I don't know what I took away. I guess the only thing I took away from him is Charles Oliveira is still as confident as ever. It's just unfortunate. He can't win the title slash defends the title on Saturday because I don't. I, I said on the reaction video, like I think I'm a little more confident in my pick for Justin Gaethje, but Charles Oliveira is still Charles Oliveira. He has the most submission wins, most stoppage wins ever, and he's missed weight a lot before at featherweight, and he wins a lot at featherweight by stoppage, sometimes even by decision. So he's still confident, and I have a feeling if he wins, he's still going to proclaim himself the UFC lightweight champion, and then he'll just have to fight someone like Islam Makachev because he can't say no at that point. Yeah, you, you make an interesting point about – just the, the pathways of this fight, because nothing changes for me in terms of how this could play out. Like if Charles Oliveira is able to get takedowns and somehow get this fight to the ground, he has a very good chance of winning this fight and putting Justin Gaethje away. And if he can't do that, Justin Gaethje could have a very good night and walk out of there the champion. So that factor doesn't really change much for me. How much change in the way you view this fight, Sean? Did Do you now lean more towards Justin Gaethje? Or like kind of like Jose said, Charles Oliveira... To, to, compared to most fighters in that situation who step on the scale, he didn't look bad. He didn't look really weak or tethered or withering away. He he actually looked okay. So I don't think the the weight cut sucked, obviously, but it didn't destroy him like we've seen most fighters in his position. Yeah, I would agree with that. And also, I mean, just historically, Charles is not someone who struggles to make 155, right? Like we've seen him come in much lower than 155 for no reason other than he wanted to do it. I did. He didn't look bad today, and that's one of the more baffling aspects of this. Is he? He looked like Charles Oliveira. He looked perfectly fine. He looked like the UFC lightweight champion weighing in. So I don't know that in that aspect I take much away from this this whole saga when it comes to how this is going to play out to on Saturday, uh, just in terms of the weight cut and and how whether it was physically draining for him. I do worry emotionally what this is what this is going to put him through over the next 24 hours as he goes through the various paces of thinking about again what happened, how close he was, and ultimately what was lost for him that is a really hard thing i would imagine to have hanging on your mind and really front and center in your mind when you have a demon like justin gaethje about to go to war with you and just gnawing at the bit to go to go to war with you that's a tough ask for anybody but then again i mean i was really eager to see how charles looked at the ceremonial weigh-ins that we just got back from and he looks he looks like he was pretty fired up, right? Like, I don't know. He didn't look sad, particularly to me. He didn't look upset or disappointed. He looks like, if anything, this motivated him more. Um, obviously, it's only a, a small window into his life right now that we were able to see. It's very brief and very quick. But he certainly didn't look like a guy who had a bad day. Like, he was out there, it, you know, hyped for the moment. I wonder if that's going to last until, until tomorrow. I mean, we're still far away from this fight. But ultimately, I was leaning Gaethje coming into this week 
Um, I feel like Justin just has the stylistic tools in the matchup in terms of the matchup to take advantage of maybe some some weak points of Charles and in particular his, his finishing ability. I mean, Justin, once he smells blood, like there are a few guys in this division who will finish the job. And that's sort of been one lingering aspect of these last few fights uh, against Charles is guys are just not finishing the job. But now I will say I feel a little more confident in that Justin Gaethje pick, if only because he's not the guy going through some weird inner turmoil right now before one of the biggest nights of his life. Do you think there might be like a, I mean, Justin Jose is, uh, you know, he's kind of a maniac, but in, in all the best ways that, that we view him as, as fight fans, we love watching this guy fight. He's must see TV. But you have to think at times, too, he's going to have to keep his emotions in check because he's already been kind of annoyed with Charles Oliveira to begin with. He's already had this sort of narrative out there that he's a quitter, once a quitter, always a quitter, all those things. And now he misses weight. You mentioned Justin Gaethje just didn't look mad. He didn't look fine. He looked annoyed today. He looked annoyed. Do you think that's something he's going to have to deal with, too? Like, Charles is dealing with a lot, too. But is Justin going to be dealing with some stuff, too, because he is annoyed and he is a little upset that perhaps – you know, maybe the guy didn't take this whole thing seriously. Maybe in his eyes, maybe that's what he needs to build this chip on his shoulder. Well, I I've said at the beginning, I think Joseph Gaethje is just perpetually annoyed on fight week, and he fights with the chip chip on his shoulder all the time. He just happens to break off that chip and beat his opponent over the head with it more times than not. Um, so I'm sure it's, he's bothered. I'm sure he's frustrated. I'm sure he's just agitated. But at the end of the day, he can still win the belt. And he, I think his exact words were. Nothing changes. I'm still going to go in there and knock him out. So I think maybe Justin, Justin Gaethje of old, like remember when he was getting in those like dog fights and he would like be kind of sucked into these wars against Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. Maybe that Justin Gaethje would kind of feed into it. But then we saw, you know, that evolution that, you know, Sean, Sean, Sean tried to ask Charles about at Media Day and Charles completely no sold the evolution of Justin Gaethje much to the annoyance of everyone there. Um, but Justin Gaethje has evolved. You know, he's knocking people out methodically. And yeah, he lost to Habib, but 29 other people have also lost to Habib. Uh, and he get, he got he himself doesn't even view that fight against Michael Chandler as a war. And he seems annoyed that people liked that fight. And I was there when he fought Tony Ferguson when he was getting into it. And Trevor Whitman was like, his exact words were, remember, because we could hear, because I was like five feet away. And this is when it was that big empty arena and there were no fans in there. So I could hear everything. Trevor Whitman said, hey, remember the last time you started to lose focus. What happened? He goes, I got knocked out. He goes, folks. And he's like, yes, sir. Justin Gagey, I think, is still going to go out there and fight his normal fight. Just the lead up, he might be a little more agitated, but I don't think it'll change anything in the actual fight. They're both professionals. See, you and I feed off each other so well. Maybe it's that New England vibe, Jose, because I was hoping you were going to tell that 249 story because I've been talking about that that Justin Gaethje-Tony Ferguson fight all week long. It's just such a gnarly experience, and I highly implore people to go back, especially if you're a newer fan. If you have not watched that fight, it is a gnarly, life-changing experience as a fight fan watching Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson in a, an arena that would normally fill 20,000 butts in the seats, having like eight butts in the seats. It's a whole different experience watching that fight. So... Let's get to the picks here, gentlemen, because a lot of drama has happened today. Sean, we'll begin with you. You seem to be leaning towards Justin Gaethje. How do you see him getting this done tomorrow? Yeah, I was leaning towards Justin coming into this week, and I, I as I said, I, I'm more on that train than ever after what we just went through today. Charles seems motivated. Charles seems very focused. Who knows what's going to happen over the next 24 hours? But ultimately, I think Justin Gaethje, if you let yourself get hurt in fights— Justin Gaethje is not the guy you want to fight because he's not going to let you go. Like it's it's once you get hurt against Justin, it's over. He's going to finish it. Charles Oliver gets hurt in a, hurt in a lot of fights, 
even over the course of this winning streak, there are there are highs and lows during those fights that he's in. Uh, he can't let that window go with Justin because Justin will capitalize. And ultimately, that's how I see this getting done. Justin's a tremendous wrestler. He has great get-ups. His striking has been on point over the course of this really turnaround that he's been on. Uh, and I think ultimately he's going to knock out Charles Oliveira and walk away as the UFC lightweight champion. And at least we will have a champion, uh, whereas, you know, the alternative. Jose, your prediction, your official pick. Oliveira versus Gaethje. Will Gaethje walk out the champion or will Charles Oliveira walk out the number one contender for, I guess, his title? I'm going to say Justin Gaethje, early third round TKO. I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be like one way traffic. I think it's going to be pretty, very competitive. I just think, as most people do, you just succumb to the onslaught of Justin Gaethje. As Joe Lozon said, he's willing to light himself on fire to burn his opponent a little which is just exemplifies justin gaethje i think justin gaethje said something very telling he is very hyper aware that his game plan against habib was just not him he said that was the first fight i went into where the game plan was to evade and i'm never going to do that again now if you run at charles Oliver, that's a bad night for 99 percent of planet earth in any weight class if you want to tell me charles Oliveira can choke out francis Ngannou in just a straight grappling match i'm going to believe you but justin gaethje can blitz forward with a buzzsaw and like a sack of marbles and a bunch of bricks just beating you over the head with it and you just have no idea what's coming so i think justin gaethje hurts him i think charles Oliveira has a lot of moments that shine i think justin gaethje will eventually escape these things because let's not forget justin gaethje is an incredibly talented wrestler he was a division all-american wrestler he's fantastic we just didn't get to see it i think they're both going to go forward i think they're both going to have moments where the other one is hurt i think we're going to have a lot of those like really tight submissions that someone's going to escape but at the end of the day i think justin gaethje's onslaught early in the third round i think it's gonna be one of those ones where the first two rounds are bananas justin gaethje comes out hurts charles in the early third round and then finishes him somewhere against defense i don't think he turns his lights out i think it's gonna be like a tko and then we're gonna have and new Justin Gaethje finally gets the UFC title that he has been chasing his whole career. Now, I, I've been telling people pretty much every day this week that I've been on the fence. I'm just sitting on the fence. I'm Velcroed up there. But I said by the time we did this show, I was going to to make a pick. And it wasn't until about eight seconds ago that I've actually picked a side here. Because to me, this seems like a, a clear pick for a lot of people that I've seen on social media. Social media. Charles Oliveira is going to is dealing with a lot today. He's going to continue to deal with a lot. And then he has to prepare to fight the one guy you don't want to fight when you are mentally dealing with a lot in Justin Gaethje. Having said that, because this universe is just so strange right now, I'm oh, picking you Charles zig? Oliveira to win. I'm, Let's go, I'm Mike. I'm going because – and I have no actual sty stylistic evidence to present to anybody here. I was kind of leaning Oliveira throughout the day. The weight miss threw me on the other side of the fence for a moment. But I'm just – just give me all the chaos you can give me. If you're going to give me this amount of chaos, let's just go all in on the chaos and let's just go – let's just take a one-way trip to Chaos Town. Let's create something fun here at 155 because if Charles wins, we could do all sorts of crazy things. So let's just have some chaos. That's probably what's going to happen. Because like whatever we, it's probably gonna be a draw, and then like all bets are off, and it's just gonna be the weirdest ending ever. But I feel like this is one of those fight weeks where it's just not gonna go the way we think it's gonna go. So give me Charles Oliveira to win. I don't know how. I'm just invoking the chaos clause. Let's go. So the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What a day it has been for the main event. Let's go to the co-main event. I want to spend some time on this co-main event because I feel like this fight is not getting enough love, Sean Alshadi. I feel like with the Tony Ferguson thing, Michael Chandler, the way those two guys sold the fight, everything happening with the main event, poor Rose Nami Yunus and Carlos Spars just sitting there just they're just right there. They're just there. No one's really talking about them. And I know Casey, our producer, is probably thrilled that we're going to give them some shine right now. I loved how both women have handled themselves this week. We have a story here. This fight is finally happening seven-plus years in the making from their first matchup that Carlos Barza won to become the inaugural champion. Your thoughts on this matchup, Sean? I mean, I love this matchup, man. I w- I've been calling for this matchup for a long time. I know the UFC was reticent to, to actually book it. Uh, Carla's been waiting for this matchup a long time, but she deserved it. And ultimately, I, I understand why the hesitance, right? Because Carla is not Yanni and Jacek. She's not, you know, even uh, uh, Zhang Wiley. Like, she's not this superstar. She's not, I would say, even very well known out for, for the general public. She is very much, if you're within the MMA community, you might know Carla's bars, but that's about it. Um, she's not, you know, some hyper engaging personality like a Conor McGregor or anything. But she's good, man. She's good. She's an OG and she wins. And she has the fact that we are still here eight years later, that she is still here eight years later, because it's not a surprise that Rose is still here, right? Because when these two women first fought for that, in that inaugural tough finale, Rose was a baby in this game. She was just brand new. She was still figuring out every aspect of all of this. Carla had already been an Invicta champion. She was a veteran. She was the number one seed in that tough season for a reason. She was the favorite in that tough season for a reason. And ultimately, she won that title because of that experience. But we it is now eight years later, and she is still here. She is still here in a threat and someone who matters in this strawweight division. And that is incredibly impressive to me for someone who is already so deep into her career at the beginning of all of this. And she earned this, man. She absolutely earned this. And I know the 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 conversation throughout the lead up to this fight has been very dismissive of her to a certain degree. And I understand because Rose um has been rose has proven herself right like rose's resume over the last six fights she's really only fought three people but 
they're the three people you need to fight. It's Yoenna and Jacek, Jessica and Draj and Jang Wiley. Like we know who Rose Namajunas is. She said it herself this week, which was actually very surprising to me because it was very unRose like. And she almost walked it back at the way uh, at the ceremonial weigh-ins, but talking about legacy and you know I am the best in the world. Now it, the question now is whether I'm the greatest. That's an interesting conversation for her to bring up on her own accord. Uh, but just I feel like Carla's getting overlooked, and a lot of people are referring to this fight just the same as they were referring to a fight we'll talk about later with the Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson aspect of it, as if it's just going to be a wash and as if Rose Namajunas, it's just a given that she's going to win. And to me, this is a much, much more competitive fight uh, than it's being sold as and then a lot of people believe it to be because ultimately it comes down to one thing, right? What, what led Carla to victory eight years ago against Rose? It was the wrestling. And that is the one aspect that she still holds an advantage of, a very clear advantage over Rose, even now, even all this time later, that still is there. There is still a very easy, not easy, but very obvious and evident path to victory for Carla Esparza that very well could work the same as did eight years ago. So this to me is incredibly compelling theater. There are stakes galore for both women. I, I mean, if Rose wins, she really is putting herself in a place historically that is pretty special. Um, so ultimately, I, I love the stylistic matchup of this. I love the stakes. I love just the drama, the story. Again, the, the cyclical nature of this, all of it coming back around. I mean, these are the two women that kicked off this division that really started this party at 115. All of it is so good. Um, and it, you're right. It's not getting the love uh, that it should. And that, that's to be expected when a monster like Justin Gaethje and a fan favorite like Charles Rivera is on the card. And then we have the chaos of today. But ultimately, once fight time comes, this is going to be – appointment viewing and i'm very much looking forward to it you know what's interesting about this fight jose and i think it's like a per like we talk about perfect co-main events and maybe this isn't the perfect co-main event but it's a good one on this particular night because we have storylines from the featured fight between michael chandler and tony ferguson we have paths to victory that seem very clear in the main event between Charles Oliver and Justin Gaethje. And then we have this fight right here, which is has pieces of both. It's like 50% of one and 50% of the other. Because if Carlos Sparza gets takedowns, she has a very good chance of winning this fight. But if she can't start stringing them together and she can't get them right away, it could be a very long night for her with Rose on the feet. Do you see those similarities as well? This is kind of like a perfect middle ground between those two fights and just how do you view the fight on paper from an X's and O's perspective? I mean, Rose might be the most talented strawweight on planet earth right now. I just, I am very tired of her see, seeing her fight the same people over and over and over. I think Rose is an awesome human being, a great fighter and I'll watch her fight anybody, but I might be the minority in the fact that I just, I'm very much over watching her fight the same people over and over and over the Andrade, the Whaley's, the Ioannis, and now the Carla's this Carla and all the other ones is they're not like immediate and they're not like fresh in our mind. So to me, that is infinitely more interesting, I guess, than any of the other rematches you ever had. Wasn't interested in her in re rematch against Ioana, wasn't interested in her match against Jane Whaley, wasn't even that interested in the rematch with Jessica Andrade because if they, when they rematched, I was very confused why they made it a three round fight not for the title um i'm interested in this one solely because like we've said a million times like if carla wins isn't it's the record for longest time between title wins right she won the first one and then it's what like eight seven years later that would, was frank Mir the other one that had the, like the long gap I, I don't even know so that's very interesting in terms of this actual fight meritocracy wise i am also in the category that wins and losses matter in mma so there's no denying that carlos barza deserves this spot i'm just not super 
there's other fights that would be much more invested in for Rose Namunus and Carlos Bars, but this is the fight that makes sense and the fight to make. Uh, if you want to tell me Carlos is one of the five best strawweight fighters ever, I'm not going to argue with you. I would put her like five or four because I think Joanna, Rose, and maybe even throw Andrade in there. Those are like the top three right there. In terms of X's and O's, this fight is awesome. Carla is a very high-level wrestler. Um, those slow, like it's like Pat Barry said, it's, I don't remember what Pat Barry said, but he was like breaking her down like the countdown. And it just looks like she's not doing much. But then when they show her fights in slow motion and she's just like kind of crushing you from the top like this, she barely even cuts weight to like 115 and she just kind of she doesn't smother you she just like crushes on crushes you on top with elbows and just control and rose hits just as hard as just about anyone else in the world at 115 she can knock you out with her fist she can knock you out with her legs and she can choke you out so uh, i think this is going to be either carla is going to grind out a win or get a late stoppage or rose is just going to melt her early so i have absolutely no idea who's going to win this fight uh it's about as 50 50 as you can get i think that's the case i don't think it's gonna be one-way track for anyone and i'm glad this is the fight that's happening there were just other fights that would have been more interested in personally as an x's and o's competition understandable and that's and that's what brings up my next question to you about this fight sean because i do want to talk about this with rose because i don't think he had said enough and it deserves to be there are very few things more aesthetically pleasing watching this sport than watching rose namayunas at a flow state when she's out there yes. moving her feet and she's landing strikes there are i mean it's just it's a work of art it's a thing of beauty when she's out there in that flow state having said that Jose's mentioning, you know, some of the matchups. We want to see some new faces, and there are a lot of them lining up right now. Although Jessica Andrade could be at the top of that, which is not really a familiar face, but I kind of want to see some closure on that fight. Is this is this Carlos Barza's last chance? Is this it? Because she had a long road getting back here, but if she doesn't win tomorrow, is she ever getting another title shot? In your opinion, unless it just falls in her lap, like short notice, she just gets real lucky. Oh, no. I mean, this, I think we all know. I think she probably knows too. This is it, right? Like, and, and, and she had to really work incredibly hard to even get this one. Like, she probably earned that title shot before her last win over Yan Zhaonan. And then she had to earn it all over again. So, this is definitely her last one. I mean, she, Carla, like, people, people forget how long Carla's been in this game. Like, she was competing, she started competing in 2010. If you look at, around at 2010 at the landscape for women's MMA, like, it is a, wasteland more or less like she started competing when this was still not a thing and she she is her career has gone through to where it now is a thing and she's still up here uh you know competing for titles so this is this is definitely her last chance but you're absolutely right on, on in one aspect of, of that mike where when rose Namajunas is on the flow state all of it when rose is on it is a joy to watch it is one of the most gorgeous things to watch in the sport just to technically what is going on in that cage and just the the beautiful level of violence that is being displayed it's it's unreal and we've seen that time and time again but we've also seen times where things get a little gritty things get a little hard uh and and you know it, that flow state isn't as easy to access for her and that is what makes this fight so compelling to me because if you look at rose's slate i know she's fought the best of the best at 115 and in particular over the last four or five years she's really only fought the best of the best jose named the names they were all rematches. We kind of have just been going in circles in this division. But if you look, who's the best wrestler Rose fought since Carla? I don't know that you, there's a good answer for it. Probably right? Zhang, honestly. 
Yeah, that's it. Like, and Zhang Zhang Guili is not like some tremendous wrestler who's going to go out there with the mindset of I'm going to wrestle the hell out of you this whole entire fight. She's not Colby Covington. She's not you know name, name any wrestler you want to name. That's not her style. That's not really how she approaches a lot of these fights. Rose has been Rose has not needed to tackle this type of a challenge since the last time she fought Carla, and that again to me is just fascinating because ultimately, what makes fights? Styles make fights. And Carla may not be the single best 150 pounder in the world. I would believe that. And I would pick a lot of women to beat her. I would pick Joanna to beat her again. I would pick probably Zhang and Jessica to beat her as well. But she might just be a perfect stylistic matchup to be able to beat Rose. And that to me is fascinating. All right, let's make our official picks here. I do want to hear from the piece because this has been an absolutely insane day. Of course, we're going to talk about one other fight and get to the low key banger. But Jose, official pick, winner. Way of doing so, who walks mm, out champ? See Rose second round TKO. I think it's going to come with like either one, you know, those that either a punch, something similar that dropped uh, Joanna, or a head kick that or a body kick that that, that hurt Wei Lee. I just think Rose is clicking all cylinders right now. You guys use these phrases like flow state and this and that. I just think Rose is just a better fighter than Carlos Sparza right now in 2022. I just think her striking is. Uh, her the power in her strikes i think is very underrated because you don't see a lot of straw weights just you know slapping baseball bats upside the head uh inside the octagon i think carla just at worst is the third fourth best straw weight in the world and she just happens to be rematching rose when rose has never looked better i'm gonna say second round tko or yeah i'll say second round tko i'm gonna be i'll be an optimist and say we're gonna get another stoppage win for rose namajunas sean can rose get it done or will Kara Esparza, after becoming the first strawweight champion in the UFC, become the next strawweight champion in the UFC? Can she get it done? And what could be her, her very last chance at, at being able to claim that title? Man, this whole time, the whole time this fight has been booked, I've been trying to get myself to a place to pick Carla. And I've talked a lot about Carla today. And I think really that's just because, again, everybody is overlooking her, it seems like, in this community. I don't. I can't get there. I'm just not. I, I wasn't able to get there. I'm not able to get there. Ultimately, I do think Rose is just so much improved from that first fight. You can't even look at that first fight in a lot of ways because, again, Rose was just so early in her career and had had so much left to grow uh, and so much potential still in her. And it was an obvious from from the get go. I think Rose is the is the better all around fighter, and ultimately, I think things may be er, may maybe rough early. She may you know suffer a couple takedowns. Maybe she'll lose a round or two, but I think by the end of it, she will be the snowball rolling down the hill. She'll be stopping takedowns, and she'll be lighting Carla up with strikes or catching her with something uh, in a scramble or something like that. So I, I see this either being a Rose decision or a late stoppage, but ultimately. I think Rose is going to come out there, win, and become the woman who has beaten every other UFC strawweight champion in history at that point because it's the last pillar left on that. We talked a lot about similarities, and this fight to me, while it'd be a tremendous story for Carlos Barza to go in there and win this fight, I don't know, man. This has Volkanovski Korean zombie vibes written all over it where – I think Carlos Sparza's personal growth from a mental standpoint and being back in this moment, it has shown through this week. She looks comfortable. She looks relaxed. She looks like she's enjoying it. She's having a good time. She's about to get married. Life's pretty good outside of the octagon for Carla, and life's been pretty good for her inside of it as well. Having said that, I just think Rose is so good right now. She's on a roll, and I think 
that this legacy thing, even though she kind of walked it back at ceremonials today, I think that really does mean a lot to her. And I think she's focusing on that. And I think she, I just think she is so much more ready to be a champion now. She wasn't really ready the first time around. She talked about some of the, the hurdles she had to leap over mentally to get to the place she's at now. And she is there and she's thriving in there. So give me Rose Namajunas and I'm going to pick her the exact same way Alexander Volkanovsky beat the Korean Zombies. Going to stop her in the fourth round and get it done and still. Uh, I do think Carla will, will have her moments, but... I mean, Rose had to know at some point in the back of her mind that this fight was going to happen. And when you're like that and when you think about that and that's kind of just growing in the back of your brain, you're thinking about fights. You're watching them. You're you're, you're thinking about what will happen. You're almost not obsessing about it, but it's something that you're thinking about. So I think in her eyes, she's been preparing for this fight for seven plus years. So I think she's ready for everything Carl's going to throw at her. So give me Rose Namajunas' fourth round stoppage. Should be... Should be fun. Good moment for Rose, and we'll see what happens. She takes that next step towards greatness, the uh, the sand and the hourglass, as she explained at the ceremonial weigh-in. So let's get to the big one of the week, which has really been the big one. All eyes are on Tony Ferguson versus Michael Chandler, Sean Alshadi. We've seen all things Ferguson. We saw ankle picks. We saw him trying to clown Michael Chandler at the ceremonial weigh-ins. The UFC cameras didn't catch it, but of course, the MMA fighting crew, Jose, even Sean with the cell phone, social media style, he caught it as well. Nobody else did, but we did. How amped are you now? Like, we're a day away from this thing happening. We talked about it on Wednesday after media day, how much more excited we were. Now we're a day away, man. We're like 24 hours away from this fight happening. Oh, Mikey, you're giving me chills, baby. Uh, dude, it, like, how long ago does it feel like Tony Ferguson's media day sort of, I don't even want to call it a rant because it wasn't a rant. I mean, just how, how long ago does that feel at this point? It feels like that was two weeks ago with how, how crazy <laughs> this week has been. And what the hell? You're absolutely right. I mean, this, this fight up until today. Up until what we saw this morning, this fight was basically stealing the show this week. I mean, obviously, everyone was very excited for the main event, and everyone would pick the main event as the, their fight they're most anticipating. But if you just look at where the interest was, people are being drawn to Tony Ferguson in a really interesting way right now. I mean, this is a guy who really kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. And if you hear it from him, that was very purposeful. And so for a year, we have heard nothing and seen nothing from Tony. And now he he reappears with a, a vengeance, I mean, with a fervor that is, uh, is very, uh, I would say, throwback, right? Like this is old school Tony Ferguson that we're seeing this week. The ankle picks, the, the antics, uh, the rants. I'm, I'm super here for it. I, I was already very excited for this fight because you know, I'm, I mean, I've been driving this bandwagon for a long, long time. The bandwagon, like, I, the bandwagon has been thoroughly abandoned. I am the only man left on the bandwagon. I started it. I'm going to end it. I'm a, I don't give up. I'm, I'm not a quitter. I see things through. So I'm going to ride this baby to the end. But ultimately, like, it's just great to have Tony back. It's just really great to have Tony back in our lives. And Michael Chandler is just the consummate pro. That guy can can could sell, you know, he could sell anything to anybody. The way he pumps up these fights and, and you know, he, he's given so much credit to Tony this whole week. He's refusing to bite into this narrative of, of Tony, you know, being, I would say, past his prime. You know, people, some people have said washed up. I mean, that it's very clear that we're not getting the best Tony Ferguson that we've ever gotten. But Mike's not, not Mike's not here for it, man. He hasn't been he trying to hear that. He's ready for whatever is coming on Saturday. And ultimately, it just seems like this is going to be a banger. Like, this is going to be one of those fights that sets the table for these two title fights in a really tremendous way. 
Uh, and I don't know, man. I know people are sleeping on Tony. I know we're not making picks yet, but people are sleeping on Tony. I feel like this is going to be more competitive than people think it will. Because if you look at the last three fights that, that Tony's lost, and he's lost them all badly. He, I don't know that he's won a round uh, over the last couple of years. Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, Benil Daryush. That's three of the four best lightweights in the world right now. Like, yeah, a lot of guys would lose to them. So, you know, it is what it is. Tony Ferguson's not the best lightweight in the world or the second best lightweight in the world anymore. He was for a really long time. But he still very well might be the sixth best lightweight in the world or the seventh best lightweight in the world, something like that. And that's right around where Michael Chandler is too. I think this could be incredibly competitive, whereas it seems like a lot of people don't think that. Uh, And I am very much looking forward to just seeing El Kukui back in our lives, baby. Let's go. It's time. Right now, our friends at DraftKings have Michael Chandler minus 350. The comeback on Tony Ferguson is plus 270. So a lot of money coming in on the Chandler side. Jose, this I want to ask you about this because John Anik said something to me that that made me think about this fight. And to me, it was the, the thing that stuck out to me was we have two guys who have one combined win over the last six combined fights. It's Michael Chandler in his debut against Dan Hooker. And normally when you have two guys like this on losing streaks that have suffered the losses that they have suffered, we're just like, oh, here we go. We got two like guys going after it. Like it's going to be sad. Not at all in this fight. Like no one's saying that here. No one's saying that. They're just here for it. Are there actual title implications at stake here? And I ask this question because we've seen the buzz Tony Ferguson is getting right now. He is the man of the hour. You take this Charles Oliveira situation in, Tony Ferguson has lapped everybody else 18 times at this point. Just look at the numbers on MMAfighting.com. Not that we use those. I mean, numbers don't lie. They're right there. Tony's the guy. If he goes out there and stops Michael Chandler tomorrow, how close is he to a title fight? Like, I know it seems like it's a weird question, but it's good business right now. Being in the Tony Ferguson business, especially coming off a finish, it's a pretty good place to be right now if you're the UFC, especially when you have some craziness at the top of this division right now. My man does not look amused over here. I'm, I'm waiting for this answer. He does not look amused. I know. He's can a fan you, of meritocracy, you, and I love it. Can you guys hear that? You guys hear that? So my eyes rolling at this question. No, Tony Ferguson is not fighting for the championship in 2022 <laughs> if he wins. It's not happening. Neither is Michael Chandler, regardless of what they want to pretend or not, because there are other fighters out there that need to fight for the lightweight title. Now, if the UFC goes, hey, Charles Oliveira, you have to rematch Tony Ferguson or Michael Chandler, whoever, at this point, I don't think he can really say no, especially because he's not even the champion. So he'd be fighting for a vacant title. That's even if he wins. Uh, Justin Gagey's already fought Michael Chandler, and he's already stopped tony ferguson so no neither man is fighting for the title if anything there may be one win away because let's not forget the ufc still has to go to abu dhabi in october and there's this real terrifying lightweight that they're gonna want to fight for a title in abu dhabi so uh, i think regardless of what happens on monday whoever win- i mean s- saturday whoever wins is going to be fighting uh islam makhshev for the ufc lightweight title in abu dhabi or wherever else if charles Oliveira wins if charles Oliveira wins would you be surprised if they did Charles versus Connor in December? I wouldn't. That no. like that has a, a significantly that has a one hundred percent chance more pos, higher possibility than Tony Ferguson or Michael Chandler fighting for the title with a win on Saturday. It's just not going to happen. There's other fights I would want. Like okay, so they don't get a title shot. We don't get to see either of them in these rematches we want. I guess our silver medal is we get to watch one of them fight Dustin Poirier. Boo hoo! Like. 
honestly, a lot of people, including people on the site, probably still think Dustin Poirier is the best lightweight in the world, which bought, baffled my mind before he fought Charles Oliveira in the first place. So, no. Long story, like short story, my eyes rolled at that. The winner of Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, is not fighting for UFC title in 2022. 2023, maybe, with another win, but not in 2022. See, you you finally you you the after the came around finally he came around you finally answered the question. I didn't ask if it was it was the number one contender fire watching. I'm saying, are they close? Are they close? And I no. feel like if Tony goes no. out there and runs through, he's no. a win away. There's a chance. There's an argument to be made because of his popularity. The UFC has done way dumber things than that. There's precedent said, especially with the role that that man's on right now. What do you think, Sean? Am I nuts? Like, listen, again, let me preface, let me preface this. (laughs) This is not, I'm not saying if Tony Ferguson wins on Saturday, he gets the next shot at a title, but is he now back in the conversation where he's a win, maybe two away from actually being back at a title fight? We didn't even think we'd be having this conversation six months, a year ago, but after this week and the buzz he's getting, I think it's worth having. Look, Mike, are you nuts? Maybe. But you're my kind of nuts, right? Like that. I'm I'm here for your being nuts. Like, let's do this. Let's have some fun here. Uh, No, I mean, look, realistically, no. Tony Ferguson's not going to get fight for a title anytime soon. He probably might not ever fight for a title. And he might go down as the single greatest UFC fighter to never fight for an undisputed title in the history of the promotion. And that is utterly sad because for so long it was right there. And we had in our hands this historic fight with Habib that should have happened 17 times over. That being said, if he does win on Saturday, he is in some form of conversation, which is better than where he is right now. Because right now he has been thoroughly disregarded and and discarded by a large portion of, I think, the the UFC fan base, the MMA fan base, all of it. Uh, He just needs something to show – he just needs to show everybody something, that he's still here and he's still relevant and he's still a person that – can put on competitive fights because he frankly hasn't looked competitive over the last few. And that's tough. That's tough to watch for someone who gave us so much enjoyment over the course of the years, who, who shed so much blood in there. Um, but also ultimately to go back to what your question was, I think the UFC probably also isn't really thrilled with the approach Tony has taken for fight week. Um, he has been very outspoken in his criticisms of the UFC. He, he, his media day interview was 30 minutes of him essentially explaining why he is so upset at the UFC. And then at the following day at the press conference, he uses the very few questions he gets to ask for fighters to get health insurance. I'm sure the UFC is not super thrilled about that. So they're not in any hurry or rush to do any favors for this guy. Uh, but ultimately the winner of this fight, whether it's Michael Chandler or Tony Ferguson will certainly be in some form of conversation and, and in lightweight being in some form of conversation is better than not being in the conversation because there are so many lightweights out there who are so talented guys like a Brad Riddell or whoever else you want to throw out there who are just not even in the conversation. The winner of this will be in some form of conversation, but, uh, as much as I want to get there with you, Mike, they're, they're not going to be a title contention. Listen, I'm not that crazy. I don't think I'm that crazy. Two wins, maybe. If he goes out there, beats Chandler, beats Poirier, he's in the discussion. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's get to picks because we. I like to get nuts. I like the chaos. It's been a chaotic <laughs> week, and I'm just diving right in here. So, uh, Jose, the official pick here. Tony Ferguson, can he get it done? Earn that title shot like you want him? I'm just joking. Who's the final? Who, who wins and how? 
I I also don't really care. I also don't particularly care who gets the title shot next because like all of those fights rule. I'm just in my mind, wins and losses matter. So there are just other people more deserving in that sense. But I'm not going to poo poo Tony Ferguson fighting five rounds for 15 pounds of gold. I'll just get that out of the way. Um, I picked Tony Ferguson win his last two fights and I was proven wrong. So this time I'm going to pick Michael Chandler. I don't think I do think, though, Tony Ferguson will actually win rounds because like Sean said, he doesn't even think he doesn't even know if like Tony Ferguson had won any of the last few rounds he's been in. I know he like dropped Justin Gaethje and that fight was hyper competitive and this and that uh, Justin Gaethje kind of turns all of his fights into a war or a flash knockout. And then Tony Ferguson just got absolutely dominated by Charles Oliveira and Benil Darius. Can Michael Chandler do that? Absolutely. Tony Ferguson also looks to be in the best shape. I've seen him in a long time. He also admitted that he basically fought Justin Gaethje on one knee uh, he didn't do any jujitsu training for Charles Charles Oliveira, which is a complete oversight if you look at it. And then he—that's a hell of a choice. Pretty much, that is a right. hell of a and decision. He brought in, <laughs> he brought in, he brought in Freddie Roach and trained pretty much all boxing and stand up, and then got absolutely manhandled by Benil Darius for 15 rounds in a, just an absolute like it was all wrestling in that knee bar. So if Tony Ferguson truly has just completely overhauled his camp, he's actually preparing for like a high level wrestler who's striking. That is Michael Chandler. I think Tony Ferguson will actually win rounds, and I think this fight will actually be very competitive i just think michael chandler gets it done he's like he 10 aided like i know charles Oliveira is not technically the champion right now but he's the last one to hold the, the ufc lightweight title michael chandler 10 aided in the first round and then <coughs> and then went on put on regardless of what justin gage said put on one of the better three round fights i have ever seen in madison square garden so I think Michael Chandler gets it done. I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be one of these fights where a lot of people use this phrase crossroads, where it's just the, it's like if Tony loses, who needs this more, this and that. I think this is going to be one of those fights where both the winner and the loser, their stock goes up. So if Tony loses, yeah, he's on a four-fight losing streak, but I don't. I think it's going to be one of those ones where his stock will rise and he will still gain popularity. Same for Michael Chandler. I think it's going to be one of those very, very – very high level competitive martial arts competitions um and i'm actually i am glad it's three rounds um i want to see what these guys do in that short time span because they both proved to be hyper exciting fighters when when the lights are on so uh but my official pick michael chandler i'm gonna say by decision michael chandler by decision sean where are you at can this fight actually get to the judge are we seeing a judge's scorecards here because again chaos chaos ensuing by the way, Chandler decision plus three thirty-five as, as this gentleman just showed us. Whoa, okay, that's surprising. I mean, Tony Ferguson for for all his failings over the last couple of years, this is a man who doesn't really get finished. So that's a very interesting line. And if I'm if I'm big on Michael Chandler and I'm a better, I would go look at that line. Oh, Mike. Oh God. <laughs> you know the kind of position you're putting me in right now, right? Oh, um, no. Ultimately, oh, no. ultimately. This fight comes down to one question for me. And that's what type of fight does Michael Chandler want? Because right now, Michael Chandler is in a very interesting position with the way he has fashioned himself in the UFC. All of his fights have been incredibly exciting to the point where Michael Chandler might have the most exciting first three fights that we have ever seen from a UFC fighter, right? And he has made a point to emphasize that everywhere he goes of, hey, regardless of whether I win or lose, you're going to enjoy the hell out of what I'm doing out there. That's important. That feels important to have to see that this guy is basing his entire UFC existence around this idea of I'm your your boss's favorite fighter, I'm your favorite fighter's favorite fighter, that sort of thing. Because the, the reality is like Mike Chandler is a wrestler. 
ultimately. He started as a wrestler, and he has tremendous wrestling. We saw it in Bellator uh, quite extensively. If Michael Chandler wanted to, he could probably go out there on Saturday and wrestle Tony Ferguson, wrestle the hell out of Tony Ferguson, and win a fairly lopsided decision. And I don't know that it would be the barn burner that he seems to want in these fights, but he would be a very convincing win. I just don't know if Mike's going to do that. It feels like Mike is approaching this as if I just need to be as exciting as possible to stay sort of in this position where they're going to give me big opportunities and big fights. And if that's the approach Mike takes for this fight, he comes into this trying to swang and bang and just make this another brawl, then you're giving Tony Ferguson opportunities because that is where Tony Ferguson shines. El Kukui made his legend in brawls. He made his legend when it's blood and guts moments, when it's crazy scrambles, when he's Darce Knight is catching submissions off of just insane sequences. This is what Tony Ferguson was for so long. And if Mike Chandler comes in here and tries to bring that type of fight to Tony, he is allowing Tony to step through the door or at least have an opportunity to step through the door. So that's where this fight comes down to me is what type of fight does Mike Chandler want? Because he could very clearly win one type of fight. I think the other is a much harder fight for him, and I think he's going to approach it the other way. I think he is going to come in here trying to brawl, and he's going to leave the door open for Tony. And Tony's going to step through it, and Tony's going to do it, and I'm going to be where all the people left on the Tony Ferguson bandwagon are going to be redeemed that we believed in our boy. I do not quit. I see things through. I was the first on this bandwagon, Michael Heck. I will be the last man on this bandwagon. (laughs) Tony Ferguson wins a decision. Let's go, boy. (laughs) I mean, Sean, that was incredible. That might have been the, the best actual preview show pick we've had. Let me let me just say this. There's a very interesting betting line that that was brought up that Ho, of Jose's pick, Michael Chandler by decision, which is fine. Our friends at DraftKings, not juiced to plus three thirty, plus two forty, still a very interesting line. There's some value there, I think. But there's another line that presents a lot of value to me, and I'm kind of riding with you, Sean. You're not by yourself. You got a shotgun guy. You got a shotgun guy. I'm going to change the radio stations to whatever you want to hear. I'm going to, you just, all you got to do is worry about driving the train. Here's the line I'm looking at Tony Ferguson by submission plus 1300. Oh, that seems way high. That seems like a very valuable selection to me because I'm with you, Sean. The very the, the big question that I have heading into this is what fight is Michael Chandler going to fight? What I think is going to happen is for like the first couple minutes, Michael Chandler is going to land a takedown, and then he's going to get a reaction like Ryan Bader got today when hitting Czech Congo, killing him for five rounds. It ain't going to be fun, and Chandler's going to be like, "What? What is this? What is this?" It's like the Godfather in WWF. He would come out by himself, and then. He didn't have the women with him, and the fans would boo, and then the women came out. This is going to be a very similar thing for Michael Chandler. He's going to be like, I don't like this. I'm going to get who into came a brawl. Out? Who came out? Who the came Godfather. out? The women. And who came out with him? Oh, okay. That's what we're going to use. The train. The train. Yeah. I'm going to say the it. The blank train. Say it. The train. Okay. The, the blank train. <laughs> the, the blank train. But I think Tony Ferguson is going to catch him in some crazy, gnarly exchange, and with like 30 seconds left in the fight – Tony Ferguson puts Michael Chandler to sleep with a some sort of insane choke. Ferguson gets it Let's done. Let's go, Mike. Upset City. Let's go. 
New York Ricks would be so mad at me. But again, <laughs> what is my theme throughout this whole thing? It's chaos, and I'm here for it. Phoenix is a chaotic city right now, and there's going to be tons of chaos once Tony Ferguson submits Michael Chandler. But it's going to be an awesome fight. 50 Gs. Hopefully they raise those bonuses. This will be the fight of the night, in my opinion, and I'm here for it. And Tony Ferguson, this is your opportunity, my man. And just remember, when you're searching out for that one interview, just remember the guy who picked you at a plus 1,300 line by submission, baby. This guy right here with the bald head and the shininess going on because it's been such a long day. Real quick before we go to the peeps, Sean, let's go, baby. We are in. Let's go. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Low-key low banger. This to me? Yes. Low-key banger. Oh, man. Okay, I mean, there there are options galore on this card. We haven't even talked about the legend himself, Shogun Hua, or the other legends, Don Cerrone, Joe Lazan. Like, there is a lot going on in this card. But for me, low-key banger, it's an easy pick. It's a man that doesn't get any respect here in this welterweight division whatsoever. It's Randy Brown versus Chaos Williams. This fight was made for for the action lovers uh, uh, of this sport. I mean, they're, they're, these guys do not – neither of them are in boring fights. Randy Brown has has won, you know, four of his last five. His only loss in that stretch is Vicente freaking Luca or Luca Luca. I got – got basketball on the, on the mind with Sente Luque. Uh, and so, man, like this is going to be a tremendous fight. I am really excited for this one. It's I think it's it's that prelim headliner for a reason, right? The UFC knows what they're going to get with this one. There's a reason they're putting it there to sell you on the pay-per-view because you just see all this crazy action and you need to buy that damn pay-per-view. Uh, to me, it's this one. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, is going to be the opportunity for people to actually start talking about Randy Brown because he's been here for a bit. And he is really starting to put together a nice run. It's a great pick. Jose, what you got? It's Shogun. I mean, I would I anytime Shogun fights, that's the answer that I'm most excited for because at this point, Scurry is not gonna be fighting in these main events unless maybe his retirement fight if they go to to a fight night in Brazil, that's probably not gonna happen. So uh Shogun Hua is the very definition of a legend in mixed martial arts. I I think I in the phrase I used when we did the reaction. It's like media dance stuff. He's he's your he's your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. I don't know a single human being that watches MMA that doesn't respect Shogun. And he's in like a group of like like the Jose Aldos of the world, where like he's a fighter that other fighters will go out of their way to go. Oh, let me get a photo of you. Oh, you're the reason I got into MMA. You're the reason I did ABC. So Shogun, who has said that this is his second to last fight, he wants two more. So anytime that man makes the walk to the octagon, we need to cherish these moments because it's probably going to be a bad night for Shogun fans in 2022, as it has been uh, for the last few years. Yes, I know he beat Little Nog, but that was Little Nog's retirement fight. He's rematching Ovin St. Pru in a fight that, like, props to OSP. 
because you get a lot of these fighters that when they get a spectacular knockout or a spectacular finish, they're very hesitant to rematch that fight later on because how do you top that? It's like the only way Dan Henderson ever rematched Michael Bisping was because there was a title on the line because his first fight was one of the best knockouts in the history of the UFC. So we never got Anderson Vitor too because how do you top the first one? Uh, OSP knocked out Shogun, and I think that was really the one that cemented him as like someone to watch at light heavyweight. I still think he was kind of on the up and up. Maybe maybe he was not quite established, but we didn't view OSP as like one of these marquee main event, co-main event fighters. Then he knocked out Shogun, and from that point on, he's been in these high-level spotlight fights against high-level opponents. Uh, Shogun, who happens to be that person, I'm sad that he's going out soon but at the same time when he's at a media day when someone's like oh do you want anyone specific for your 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 retirement fight do you want to fight in brazil do you want to fight this and that he goes man i'll fight whoever i'm like oh my god what a breath of fresh air like this man is just the man and i'm going to miss him tremendously whenever he retires so uh, because he won't be around much longer in MMA, the answer for me, if I have to watch one fight outside of the top three, it's always Shogun Hua. It's interesting. PFL's on right now, and freaking AJ McKee is there with the freaking PFL t-shirt on, standing in between Sean O'Connell and Kenny Florian. Again, chaotic Friday here in the world of mixed martial arts. Here we are. That man uh, wants to be, to be anywhere but where he is. That's hilarious. Um <laughs> uh, it's Brandon Royval, Matt Schnell. I don't need to say anything more. Those two guys are going to absolutely bring it. Brandon Royval is just a coffee cup full of chaos, and Matt Schnell likes to get down to. Those two guys are going to get after it. It's going to be a fun fight. Uh, I will also give a shout-out to Clayton Rodriguez versus CJ Vergara. That's going to be a really fun fight, too, if you're looking for really low-key bangers on the early stages of the card. Clayton Rodriguez is just a nut. Absolute insanity. What a pace this guy puts on, and CJ Vergara is is in it to win it. That fight with Oday Osborne at UFC 268. I think he's going to knock some rust off, and those two guys are going to are really going to set the bar real high. So, what a day it has been, Casey. Welcome to the program, producer extraordinaire. Let's see what the peeps have to say. Take a few of these. Let these guys rest a little bit because uh, they're probably drained. We got Sons basketball in the valley, baby. Okay, what do we got here? Um, let's talk about some. There was another weight miss on the card, so let's talk about that one real quick. What do you think about Dumont fight? Uh, yeah, I, I got some number one contender. Number one contender. What is this? Does it mean anything? It's what. I think it says nope. something when the last person left in the 145-pound division says, why are we even doing this? Yeah. Regardless of whether people like this fight or not, I don't think it really means anything for title implications. What, what, what title implications? I mean, exactly. Amanda Nunes, there's, yeah. There is none. There, when, when the, the, like there's, these are the two last fighters at 145, the, the two that are about to fight tomorrow. Like, This is all very... Strange, strange. I, I got. I have no opinions. I guess. I mean, it's a feather. It's not even a featherweight fight. It's a catchweight fight. fight. <laughs> I got no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this, this was a fight that was solely for Brazil. This is a Brazil fight, hundred yeah. percent. This is again Norma a Brazil fight, and it gets moved to Arizona. Norma misses weight. Macy made it after missing the last time, although she's filled in to fight Raquel Pennington on short notice. I mean, it's a fight, and they're going to get in there, and they're going to fight, and it's going to be close. There you go. As the kids say, it'll be a fight. 
take this off with this stupid logo. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, how <laughs> oh, no, bad is the Oliver? This is a great question. Now, how bad does the Oliveira weight miss affect his legacy? Let's say hypothetically he beats Gaethje and even Islam. I feel the weight misses in his career will make him a second tier lightweight. This is an that interesting is question. I'm joking about the bill symbol. That's why I was joking around. But uh, your thoughts on this, Sean? That to me is a fascinating point that I have not heard somebody else bring up until right now. And it's actually a really interesting point that I haven't considered. And I'm actually going to start considering a little bit more because he's not wrong, right? I mean, it took so long for Charles to break out of this narrative that he's the guy who can't make weight. Even after he was at lightweight and consistently making weight, he was still that guy. And that followed him for a long time. And now it's fresh. It just happened today. So there's a lot of excuse making going on there's a lot of people forgiving him for this mistake that goes away all of this is very like the the short-term memory in mma is extraordinary and probably worse than most other sports a year from now no one's gonna be talking about well it was only half a pound well the scales were weird all of this other stuff that's going on today people are just gonna remember that charles Oliveira lost his belt on the scale that's going to follow him now, fairly or unfairly. This is now a part of his story. It's a part of his legacy. It's a part of his journey. And it's ultimately what ended his championship reign as the UFC lightweight king, at least for the moment uh, and, and for the foreseeable future. Because, I mean, also he's not even going to get a chance to get that title back until the next one. And who knows when that'll be. Maybe that's months from now. Maybe that's next year. So this absolutely, I think, will, will affect his legacy. And that's unfair to say, frankly. I think it's not. I think that's not right that this would affect his legacy. But I think once the time passes and we're years down the line and say he's retired, it's going to be one of the first few points people will bring up is, hey, this is the only guy to ever do this. This is the only guy to lose his title this way. And the next time, whenever it happens in the next time that a champion loses their belt on the scale, Charles Oliveira will be the name we talk about. This is the second person. First was Charles Oliveira. He is that guy now, fairly or unfairly. And that sucks. Frankly, that really sucks. What do you think about this, Jose? Because especially in sports and you don't I mean, you watch other things besides MMA. Mm -hmm. um, I even in golf and I know you're not a huge golf guy, but Tiger mm -hmm. Woods has done some things that have tarnished what would tarnish most athletes legacies does, you know, whatever. We're not going to bring them up specifically, but we, most people know what I'm talking about. But then he goes on and just wins one tournament and it's like none of that other stuff ever happened. Like winning changes everything. Winner takes these things. Winning takes these things away and it changes the narrative. Is there enough wins that can change this narrative for Charles Oliveira or is this just with him forever? Hey, Sean, what did, what was, what did I literally say when we were leaving the press, the ceremonial wins today? We were like having a similar conversation. It says, you know what solves a lot of problems? Winning. The, you'll rack up a lot of wins people eventually forget people will forget a lot of the things that you did now for in the immediate future it will obviously follow him you know people are like like when he weighs in again that's going to be a high like we we stream the official weigh-ins the next time charles Oliveira weighs in there are going to be a lot of eyeballs on him weighing in it's like similar when when um darren till weighed in against tyron woodley after missing weight against stephen thompson that was one of the more highly anticipated moments of that entire week was just darren till's 30 seconds on the scale so for the foreseeable like the next few fights charles Oliveira is going to be asked a million questions about making weight eventually if he just keeps racking up wins i think that will leave i think that was the big problem and if he and if he continues to make weight i think for a lot of these fighters that we bring this up a lot like we like johnny hendrix 
people talk Johnny Hendricks, all they do is think about miss weight because he did it a lot in two weight classes. And he was also losing. So if Charles Oliveira, if this is the only time it ever happens and he keeps making weight and he keeps winning, I think people are going to forget about it because you know who else missed weight last week that we just are, haven't talked about it at all? Rob Font missed weight, and that was like the fights happened, and then the people forgot about it. So no, yeah, that's, Charles, that's not the same bit, thing. That's, that's not the same thing. a little bit of a difference because now Charles Oliveira is the answer to a trivia question. Who was the first fighter to lose their title on, exactly. on a scale? So it's different in that case, but you, you rack up a few wins. You have an epic fight back-to-back times. People are going to eventually move on, but for the foreseeable future, his official weigh-ins are going to be much-watched TV for a little bit. It's a really good point. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I think I think there's a I think there's somewhat there's some an answer right in the middle because I think Habib kind of f- falls into this where like he used to be known for he could never make weight or it will be just a giant ordeal. But then like the last three or four fights he won. Like what you say, if you win, it erases your problems. And then we just kind of forgot about that. It, 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 became, yeah. it kind of became more of a footnote rather than like that was Habib's story. And I believe Oliver, yes, if he does just keep winning. This will be kind of a, a funny footnote, you know. Like remember, even like DC with the towel, you know. It's kind of just a funny footnote. It's not really defined his career. I think it's. I think it's. Gonna be the only time people talk about the only time people talk about DC's towel thing now is when other people try it. Yeah. And like if another so if another champion, if this happens to another champion, people are gonna be like, oh, remember when Charles Oliveira did this, this and that. I think I, I actually think you guys are underselling this to a certain degree. Like, and I'm I'm not here advocating for this to be a giant part of Charles's legacy. I don't think it should be, but I think people are unfair when they judge these type of things. And the, and the scale to, I mean, I, that's a terrible pun that I didn't mean to say. Hey, so hey, hey. but the scale of this one is so much worse than any of the other examples that anyone has brought up for this question. Because again, this dude just lost the title the day before his fight because of half of a pound. Like that is, we've never seen anything like this and it's someone with a history of it. And to me, that is just so much more memorable. That's so much more sticky in terms of what it's going to stick to him moving forward. It's just so much more, it's so much worse on, on a, on a, on a real level than any of the other examples we've mentioned. And it would have been the same for Habib had Habib lost his, 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 title on the scale it would have been the same for dc had that gone the other way the way that probably should have gone but it didn't none of those guys got unlucky today charles Oliveira got unlucky and it's i don't i think people are going to be hard on him for that i think this is going to be something that like it or not he's going to go down for a lot of things ufc's all-time submission artist one of the just craziest careers in terms of career turnarounds probably one of the 10 best ufc lightweights we've ever seen if not better by the time he's done but i think this will be in addition to that list i think it will it will be on there by the end of it and casey could probably agree with this when we have our weigh-in show and you ask me who's going to be first on the scale, I'm just going to pass because I picked Charles <laughs> Oliveira. And this was, I mean, this is just, this that pick did not age well at all. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> I forgot you did, yeah. <laughs> I sure did. I, I, I picked, um, uh, was it blah, blah, I can't even say it. Blagoy Ivanov. <laughs> you beat uh, me by a lot. Yeah. Um. Let's go the other way real quick with Mr. Oliveira. With a loss, will Charles ever see another title shot in his career? All right, so kind of legacy, but now we're looking at it from a UFC perspective. Sean? 
Let's just say <laughs> I'm going to get chaotic here. I'm going to turn this into a different direction. I'm here for chaos. Charles, let's go. Let's go chaos. If Charles, Oliveira, chaos. if Charles Oliveira loses to Justin Gaethje and loses bad, like he just gets run over tomorrow, who fights for a title first? Charles Oliveira or Tony Ferguson? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you can't do this to me, I'm man. Just joking. You can't I'm do just this joking. to me. <laughs> I mean, it's probably a fair it could be would be a fair question if that happens. But anyways, if Charles goes out there and gets run over, and after everything that happened here, what are the chances he gets another title fight? I think high. I still think high. I mean, ultimately, this is a guy who's in his early 30s. He still seems to have plenty of tread left on the tires. He's also one of the best damn lightweights in the entire world, who I think is a fan favorite. And I think also he's gotten a lot of fan sympathy and sentiment. Uh, from this i mean there's obviously the extreme other side of that too of people bagging on and, and really just piling on but i think a lot of people feel bad for him too and i think ultimately the ufc feels bad like i don't think the ufc is really super mad at charles Oliveira right now i'm sure they're certainly not happy but i would think a lot of people right now in phoenix feel really bad for what the hell just happened because again this is so it's hard to overstate how bizarrely unprecedented something like this was because we could have had this moment 20 different times over over the course of you know the last 20 years in the ufc and it just didn't happen weird stuff happened the dc towel thing all of the like there's so many examples you could point to but it happened to charles and so i I do think ultimately if he goes out there even if he loses it'll just be one fight away from really being back in that conversation if he goes out and you know beats um who who, just throw me a lightweight benil dariush or, or somebody like that i think he'd be right back in there and he could easily get another title shot people love charles like he has a cool story he's a really nice guy he's got incredible accolades like he, he's not out of it if he loses does, does charles move the needle enough you think i, I don't know I mean, who, moves I don't, the need, who moves the needle yeah, in the ufc that's the in that's general the, yeah that is the best very response. few which very champion few now moves the, needle? moves the needle well he won't be champion i'm talking about the challenger which challenger moves the needle right now? Tony Ferguson. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Tony Dude, Ferguson. I, I, I'm, I'm he, right on Tony Ferguson when he disappears. I'm right like, on Tony her, Ferguson did, like, The second one that also, the second highest views we had this week is Cowboy Cerrone, and he also disappeared. So, uh, you know, distance makes the heart go fonder, but I don't know. I don't know any of these people on this card that aren't champions that move the needle necessarily. Hey, Bessie, yeah. Maybe, maybe. I'm surprised we haven't even talked about Donald, to be honest. This is probably going to be a Donald question in here. There you go. Yeah, there you go. It is. Well, do we, we are, like, you can read it back and then I'll answer. Okay. Do we think Cerrone – this is for the podcast viewers because those watching, you yeah. can read. Uh, do you think Cerrone versus Lozon is basically a loser gets fired fight? Cerrone is winless in his last six. Joe Staff a three-fight losing skid last time we saw him. So before you answer, Jose, can I just say that I love everything about this fight? Not, I mean, it's just a great matchup, it's just where these guys are at in their careers. I love the friendliness between them. I mean, we're seeing the friendliest cowboy we've ever seen in our entire lives. He's out there. Joe Lozon's meeting Cowboy's grandmother and having moments backstage before the weigh-ins. I mean, this is just a tremendous main card opener. Great storyline. Positivity, positivity everywhere. I love it. That being said, Jose, your thoughts on this question, and I think I'm going to be agreeing with you on this. I wouldn't use the word fired, but UFC president Dana White has pretty much said the loser of this fight, like that's that's it for their fight career. They're both like they've been in the UFC like long. They've had like like is this fight have the most bonuses between fighters in UFC history? 
Oh, it's got to. to. It has to. It has yeah, to. Because like, like, because they're like in the. They're both in like the top four, if not top three. So they've like Joe Lozon's UFC debut. He beat Jens Pulver. Like that's how long he's been fighting. And like Joe I, himself said, like he's basically retired. And and then like unless he gets an interesting opponent, and like how I need you to. Fits this, Go ahead. I need you to reemphasize that because I don't think like like you say that now, and I think a lot of people just gloss over it. That what you the sentence you just said like all right let me that rephrase. sentence is a genuinely astounding sentence and also incredibly impressive if you know who Jen Pulver really was his UFC his UFC debut was a knockout win over Jens Pulver and then he, and then after that win he like, had to go through like the two ultimate months fighter. later like right after it and right Jens Pulver it. was one of the coaches. That That's was true. the BJ Penn Jens, season five the best season in, in tough history. Um, so yeah, I mean the the loser of this is going to. I don't think it's fired. I think they. That's it. That's it for their career. Dana White has said that. Even Don Cerrone has like said like he had very serious thoughts that this might be wrapped. Joe Lozon has basically said I'm essentially retired unless I get a really interesting name. And if he loses, I would have to assume Joe ha- is self aware enough that he would probably just retire. And I think Don Cerrone. If I wouldn't be surprised if Donald maybe gets one more, but I would have to say I would have to assume the loser of this. That's it for their career. Even Joe himself said is like, hey, what's it's not that bad going out on a win. So even if Joe wins, he might retire. Jose, you were in Boston. We were both in Boston covering that card yeah. the last time Joe was on fight, October 2019. And outside of that incredible Justin Gaethje line, his media day, the all the interviews leading up to it, it's exactly the same. It's literally the yeah. exact same stuff he said in October of 2019. So I don't know. This but I don't know. This might be my last fight. I'm not really sure. It might be. But, Ooh. you know, Dana said all the – I mean, listen, D- Dana White basically said after the Boston card, like, Lozon was retired. And Joe has been out here since then being like, what are you talking about? I never said that. I'll show you the, I'll show you the text messages. I'll show them to you. I'll show you to you. It's, 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 it's going to be the same way. He goes they, out there no, and beats Don Cerrone. Be He's fighting again, 100%. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like – Say Joe loses and they do because they are going to Boston this year and Joe gets one final fight in Boston and that's a wrap on his career. I wouldn't be surprised at that either. But I'll, I'll rephrase. The, both men will probably be retired in 2023. Regardless I agree with what that. Happens on that's fair. I agree with that. I do, I do think there is a high likelihood that Donald will fight again regardless. I think he has in his mind that he wants one more after this and that this is not it yet um you think so we'll see. i'm getting different vibes i'm getting different vibes even especially at the ceremonial just the way he walked up there and i don't know there's just this vibe about him like that he was taking it all in a little bit more like this might be the last one i mean none of us really know there's only one maybe two people on earth who actually know the answer to this question but i'm getting those just kind of vibes off of him that he's taking this all in more so than he ever has because this might be the last time he does it. I think he's definitely trying to take it all in. I think he went through a large part of his career not taking it all in. And now that he recognizes he's at the end, he is making a very, very concerted effort to try to enjoy this as long as it lasts. I I just, I don't want to say, but a little birdie told me that this is probably not the last one, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Oh man. Get the breaking news music ready, Casey. Just joking. Um, 
We've got an hour twenty. We have a full fan Q and A tomorrow. Do you still? Are we? I know you guys We're at an hour twenty. Yeah. We got. We got a wrap. Let's do yeah. one more quick one and get out of here. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's been fifteen minutes. <laughs> this is like the anti Tony Ferguson fight week. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, Bizarro <laughs> Ferguson fight week. All right. Uh, so, by the way, PFL, some of uh, very yeah. recognizable names with big wins. Roy McDonald, first-round submission. Anthony Pettis, first-round submission. So, there you go. Pettis, getting back in the win column. Look at that. Julia Mounted Bud, triangle. Upset loss. Julia still gets her three points, though. Yeah, I don't understand. That's yeah, right. I don't understand. <laughs> and Elena Kolesnik won. Elena Kolesnik, plus 230 oh. underdog. Cashes, gets it done. Nice job. If you guys out there haven't read it already or listened to it, go <laughs> listen to Mike's tremendous feature and narrative podcast about Helena. It is absolutely beautiful stuff uh, and is absolutely worth your time. Damn, that pet of submissions nasty. Go watch this after you're done here, by the way. Uh, okay. Um, I, I want to take a quick question, but they're all going. They're all. They're all going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be getting into the weight. The weight miss and stuff. Do you, Do we want to get back into that, or I think we've. Nah, if that's it, let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna let He's you guys out. go. Um, I think on. we've waited long enough. Ooh. You can hit our music. I mean, I got some hot takes for tomorrow, but I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna save that. Yeah, that's Casey right. is hot I mean, takes. Get out of here. Hey, that was, that, that was sarcastic. Why, why are we doing the sarcasm? I, I, what? I, I, I bring that the real. That was so serious. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> un, un, unnecessary. <laughs> All so right, frustrated you might pound on your desk. Uh, got a couple of I mean, uh, in here, huh? The court and scale pun was just unbelievable. I mean, Sean won with the puns today. Uh, lots of fun stuff today. We had chaos. We had puns. We had it all. And we had Chaos Williams. We still, and we have Chaos Williams coming up tomorrow too in the featured prelim. There's so much going on tomorrow, and we haven't even had a. It's not even fight day yet, so tomorrow's gonna be way more interesting than today. I got a feeling. So join us for all of it. For Casey, for Jose, for Sean. I am Mike Hecht. Thanks for watching. Good night, everybody. Happy birthday, kid. It's not my birthday. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.